A simple but poignant question with a straightforward answer next on Truth For Today. It's a question we're looking at all week this week. How can a sinner ever be right with God? If indeed we are as guilty as the Apostle Paul tells us we are here in the first couple of chapters of Romans, then how can we be saved? How can we be right with this God that we've offended? Well, fortunately, Paul does not leave us hanging, and that's what we're looking at today here in the book of Romans. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're taking a look at the answer to how a sinner can be right with God. Here's Pastor Phil. Abraham was not a righteous man. Some said he committed adultery in our terms in that he went into Hagar. In their day, he could sleep with any servant he wanted. He was not a one-woman man, for sure. He lied about his wife. He was a moon worshiper. His only virtue was he believed God And God made that faith give him credit for a righteousness he did not have in himself. Now, what God's asking you and I to do is to put faith in Jesus Christ that he did die in your place, that God raised him from the dead, and that God has dealt with your sin fully and been satisfied in Christ, and God wants to declare you right solely on the basis of what he has done with his son for you. If you ever get tired of this gospel, God will give you an ear to believe a false gospel and be damned. Unless we love this truth, unless we quit being bored with it, until we learn how to articulate it to our children, you've got to believe we're always set up to add works. We're always set up to corrupt this theology. I scream. Why don't you shout it to your kids, to those you teach? This is the core of Christianity. We're not a works movement. There's only two kinds of religion. One, work, obey for acceptance. Christianity says you start with acceptance. From now on, obey the God that accepted you. I've already been accepted. I'll never be more accepted than the day I believed in Jesus as a 14-year-old boy on 15th and Cutting down in Richmond, California. That night I was declared right and it remains permanent. I've already been promised to be glorified. It's done by faith alone. Faith alone. Well, He wants to go on and say that uh, when you believe God, not based upon your character. Now this, we want to see, this is a great problem right here. This is one of the greatest theological problems in the world. How can a just God declare a wicked man right? You don't have the problem because you're not God and you don't have a perfect character. But they even told the judges of the Old Testament, you must not declare the guilty right or you'll be a crooked crooked judge. Then God comes over here and says, I declare the ungodly while they are ungodly to be right in my sight. He didn't tell Abraham, get your act together, join a good church, get baptized, start tithing. And by the way, quit drinking. 
And he didn't say any of that stuff. He believed God, and at that moment, God declared him to be right. How can God do that? Uh, there's a little word here, right? In verse 3, he believed God, and it was credited. Some translations make it reckoned. If you don't like that, just say, lo gizomai. Do you like that? I like the, that's, it just sounds good. It's the word logizomai. You know, when I say reckon, I just think of uh, my dad's people, I reckon so. But it's a little bit uh, deeper than I reckon so. It is to put to your credit. It is the theological word, and I hate to give it to you because you might learn something. <laughs> and who wants to learn anything? Church, just make me feel good. If you'll learn something, you'll feel good. You've got to change your thinking to change your moods. When you learn to think right, you'll learn how to feel right. The reason you feel bad all the time is you're so screwed up in your thinking. You're not thinking straight. And that's what he says in Romans. God saved you to straighten out the way you think about God and yourself. Pastor Rollins said something in our elder deacons meeting yesterday. He said, few men ever have a right perspective of their own life because the only mirror they look in is the mirror of themselves. They don't really know what they are. And they're afraid to ask because everybody won't agree. So we all have warped views of ourselves. And please don't tell me any different. I'm confused and don't break my prejudice. Well, uh, what he's really doing here, that God imputes, there's the word, he imputes or he puts to your account, it's a bookkeeping term, he puts to your credit a righteousness, not your own. Now, here's the debate. You haven't studied this. You don't need to. Read John Murray. Read John Owens. I'll give you three other books if you want to study it for extracurricular activity. And give you the reason that many took the verse, the faith was credited as righteousness. That my faith gives me a status of righteous because God credits my faith He's so impressed with my faith that that is the thing he imputes to my account. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. My faith is the instrument by which I lay hold of our another righteousness. And you remember what he said in the beginning of this book? In the gospel, a righteousness from God is being offered. Not God's divine attribute, but a gift of righteousness. And he says that in 517. I'm offering you a gift of righteousness. If I believe, God will give me a righteousness, not my own. Well, whose righteousness is it? Over and over, the righteousness that I get is the righteousness of another, no, no one less than God the Son. For 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, he has become our righteousness. Paul says in Philippians 3.9, I want to be found in him having a righteousness not of my own, but the righteousness that comes through faith. Faith is not the righteousness. It's the hand that lays hold of it. It's Christ. Listen to this verse. For God made him, Christ, and it's this word reckon, to be sin for us. Was Christ ever an actual sinner? No. But God at the cross 
charged Christ with our sins. For God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Like the scapegoat in the Old Testament, one goat was slain in front of the people and the other was taken out into Azazel, the wilderness, taken out far enough that it can never find its way back to the camp. So Christ bore our sin away. But God rolled over and transferred our sin to Christ on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God puts to our credit a righteousness, not our own. It's the righteousness of his son. Well, how did you get it put to your account? I just believed God. And he put to my credit a righteousness, not my own. So that God is free now to treat me as he treats his own dear son. For according to Galatians 3, I'm clothed in the son. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, I am complete in the Son. Have you ever gone to counseling and you've been told you need self-love? You need to spend your, your children's inheritance. You need to go out, maybe have an affair. You need to do something for yourself. You need self. We've got to get self. If you could ever see that you are thoroughly acceptable now in God's sight, as much as he accepts his son, your acceptance search should be over. If God accepts you, who cares what others think? If you're accepted by the expert, everybody else is just confused. You've already been accepted. Or have you not? Or is God an expert? Well, God just doesn't know all your faults. Friend, he knows what you look like in the shower. And when you start getting as old as some of us, you don't need mirrors anymore. <laughs> Gravity is doing its work. He knows you through and through. And when you believe, justification says, you lay hold of a righteousness that is not your own. He says, Abraham, I'm going to impute to you, though you're ungodly, a righteousness not your own. His faith is credited as righteousness. Now he goes to anybody of all people, God, you should not have brought David. Here we got the perfect model by the rabbis of the sinless man, and you know they can't defend David. There's too much newsprint on him. He's been exposed. But the rabbis didn't write Romans 4. God did. He wants you to see the other part. When you're declared right before God, he will not charge you with your sins. David says the same thing that an ungodly man could be right with God when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Boy, Catholics and Protestants all over this country are trying to get right based on works. Aren't they? Just work, 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 trying to, to earn something that you could only get by faith. Then he says, Psalms 32. David is repenting in Psalm 32 of his sin. We don't know if it's Bathsheba, but he's dealing with sin there, and he's overwhelmed with grief. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. Now, what if you read it this way? Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven. And then just write, and who are they? Just put that. Who are they? Leave it alone. Whoever it is, it'd be a blessed condition, right? Blessed are they whose sins are covered. 
whoever they are. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Who in the world is that? We, me. It is the one who puts faith in Christ, the negative side of being declared righteous. God not only gives you a positive righteousness, but he's going to eliminate everything negative you've ever done from view so that God says when you put faith in Jesus Christ, your transgressions are forgiven, sent away. Your transgressions are covered, atoned for, and you are not going to be charged with your sin. That is one of the greatest things. I wish I could scream. I mean, this, this is it. This is, if this is anybody else but God, just cut out the line. But God says, if you will put faith in Jesus Christ, I won't charge you with any sin you've ever done against me. Is that what it says? Well, let's ask a question. What about that sin you did this week? What did God do with that? It, it didn't cover that one, did it? At least you hope so. Because we all got this, he forgave me up to the time I believe. But what about that? Anybody have a good fight with your wife this week? Don't raise your hand. Please, please put that hand back down. That's rhetorical. Don't answer. Carolyn could make the first service. Did you know that according to 1 John 1, the reason God forgives you when you confess your sin is not because he's merciful. Do you know why he said he'll forgive you? He's faithful and just. He does it out of justice. And so when you sinned last week, you cussed, you got out of hand in traffic, you got angry uncontrollably, you did something that was sin, whatever. And then you come up to God and say, well, I, 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 I did it. And I know you can never forgive me. And I, I know I'm not worthy. And, I'm not. and he said, you're right. You're not. You're ungodly brute. You've been saved 15 years. You're still a mess. But Lord, I, I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. All sin is intentional. You meant it. Uh, well, I, I just, well, uh, 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 Lord, I did it. I know it. Well, what are you going to do about it, Lord? Well, I'm faithful. And I'm just to keep my promise in justification. If you just name it to me, that's all you got to do to keep up with me, keep your accounts on sin and right and wrong, keep you in experiential fellowship. But I'm going to forgive you, and I'm not going to forgive you because I'm partial to you or you're one of my favorite kids or that you were right. I have justly dealt with what you did last week at the cross, and it's been thoroughly paid for. I'm not going to cover you. It's covered. Now, now here's the danger. Here's the danger. Well, if it's covered, let's go out and paint the town red. Let's do it. Come on, it's already covered. I've been wanting to get with it. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. If he hasn't done a work in your heart to want to do right, go ahead and paint the town, but don't count on justification. You don't know him. I was afraid of believing this stuff as a good old um, holiness boy because we, uh, uh, we thought anybody that taught you were secure 
that you were saying they were secure to sin and live like the devil, and they still were going to go to heaven. So I was always being warned as I was going this way by those preachers and those associates I ran with. Says, this is going to lead to a life of license. You're going to, you're going to go out into sin. They, the big sin they were afraid of, for some reason, they thought I was going to start uh, playing pool. <laughs> Which I found nothing wrong with that. I had bigger ones than that in mind. If I were going to do something, it's going to be more than here to use a cue stick. You know, a guy accused me of stealing one time. I said, oh, no, I couldn't have. Because if I'm going to be charged, I'm going to steal a lot more than what's involved. Let's go big. Luther said, love God with all your heart and sin boldly. You can't do both at the same time. You can't love God and pull off sin easily. And so they always were warning me, you're going to do this. You're going to fall. Because they said, this breeds, this grace kind of, that's going to breed. There's no restraints. It just open season, live like the devil, and God's not going to charge you anyway. Well, there's more to salvation than being declared right. He regenerates and changes the heart so that you start serving God, not just because you're afraid of him, but because you've come to find the beauty in him. You want to do things right just because you love him. And you who are saved know it. And I don't care what tradition you're from. You want to serve him because you love him. I want to read uh, something to you because I cannot get it right. William R. Newell, uh, a great Bible teacher that was at Moody for years, uh, who wrote the song at Calvary, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride, Caring Not My Lord Was Crucified, Knowing not that it was for me he died at Calvary. Mercy was there and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me at Calvary. Well, William R. Newell was holding uh, uh, Bible lessons at the Century Theater in St. Louis. And he taught on the ungodly man could be right with God. And this is his words. I quote, it's found in his commentary on Romans Years ago in the city of St. Louis, I was holding noon meetings in the Century Theater. One day I spoke on this verse, to him that worketh not but believeth in him who justifieth the ungodly. His faith is reckoned unto him for righteousness. After the audience had gone, I was addressed by a fine-looking man of middle age who had been waiting alone in a box seat for me. He immediately said, I am Captain and he suspends the name, a man very widely known in the city. And when I sat down to talk with him, he began, you are speaking to the most ungodly man in St. Louis. I said, thank God. What? He cried. Do you mean you are glad that I am bad? No, I said, but I'm certainly glad to find a sinner that knows he is a sinner. Oh, you do not know the half. I've been absolutely ungodly for years and years and years right here in St. Louis. I own two Mississippi steamers. Everybody knows me. I am just the most ungodly man in town. I could hardly get him to quiet enough to ask him, did you hear me preach on ungodly people today? Mr. Newell, he said, I've been coming to these noon meetings for six weeks. I do not think I've missed a meeting but I, I cannot tell you a word of what you said today. I did not sleep last night. I've hardly had any sleep for three weeks. I've gone to one man after another to find out what I should do. And I do not, 
and I do what they say. I've read the Bible. I've prayed. I've given money away. But I am the most ungodly wretch in this town. Now, what do you tell me to do? I waited here today to ask you that. I've tried everything, but I'm so ungodly. Now, I said, we will turn to the verse I preached on. I gave the Bible into his hands, asking him to read aloud. To him that worketh not. But he cried, how can this be for me? I am the most ungodly man in St. Louis. Wait, I said, I beg you to go on reading. So he read, to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. There, he fairly shouted, that's what I am, ungodly. Then this verse is about you, I assured him. But please tell me what to do, Mr. Newell. I know I'm ungodly. What shall I do? Read the verse again, please. He read, to him that worketh not. And I stopped him. There I said, the verse says not to do, and you want me to tell you something to do. I cannot do that, but there must be something to do. If not, I shall be lost forever. Now listen with all your soul, I said. There was something to do, but it has been done. Then I told him how that God had so loved him, all ungodly as he was, that he sent Christ to die for the ungodly, and that God's judgment had fallen on Christ, who had been forsaken of God for his Captain G's sins there on the cross. Then I said, God raised up Christ and sent us preachers to beseech men, all ungodly as they are, to believe on this God who declares righteous the ungodly on the ground of Christ's shed blood. He suddenly leaped to his feet and stretched out his hand to me. Mr. Newell, he said, I will accept that proposition. And off he went without another word. The next day at noon at the opening of the meeting, I saw him beckoning me to the wings of the stage. I went to him. May I say a word to these people, he, said, he asked. I saw his shiny face and gladly brought him in. I said to the great audience, friends, this is Captain G, whatever whom most, if not all of you know, he wants to say a word to you. I want to tell all of you the greatest proposition I ever found, he cried. I'm a businessman and I know a good proposition, but I found one yesterday that so filled me with joy that I could not sleep a wink all night. I found out that God, for Jesus Christ's sake, declares righteous any ungodly man that trusts him. I trusted him yesterday. And you all know what an ungodly man I was. I thank you all for listening to me. But I felt I could not help but tell you this wonderful proposition that God should count me righteous. I have been such a great sinner. This beloved man lived many years in St. Louis, an ornament to his confession. A great sinner and a great God that could declare you righteous. How Can a Sinner Ever Be Made Right with God? That's the title of our series, and you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 
you'd like to review today's broadcast, copies are available. Or simply ask for the entire three-CD set, How Can a Sinner Ever Be Right with God? Call us today at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547. Now, there is another way that you can contact us, and not only contact us, but take advantage of an awful lot of resource materials available for your growth in Christ. And you'll get the chance to learn a bit more about us and who we are and what we believe. It's all found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. One other note as we let you go, the broadcast is presented daily and Sundays here on KFAX as TFT sustainers come alongside of us financially and prayerfully as partners, helping us in the support of the broadcast to continue the ministry of Truth For Today here on KFAX. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. You'll also have access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video done by Pastor Phil. For further information, visit valleybible.org or simply call us at 855-833-9864. No gift is too small. In fact, we would rather have 25 folks who are giving 5 or $10 a month as opposed to one big donation. That's not to say we won't take a big donation as well, but again, that's simply to let you know that any and all donations are gratefully appreciated. And 100% of your donation goes back into the ministry here at Truth For Today to ensure that it continues here on KFAX. Please consider that as you call us at 855-833-9864. And then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.